Um, so our first speaker today, uh, to, uh, Tobias Alin, um, is going to be talking about uh, web animation. So uh, you may know Tobias already from uh, work that he's done at GitHub over the years. He's also spent time at Spotify. Um, he works on kind of product strategy uh, uh, across those organizations uh, and, does, uh, uh, and does a number of courses on Hyper Island. Uh, today, Tobias is going to be talking about making uh, web animation uh, more performance. So please make him very welcome. Tobias. Great. Am I on? Perfect. Thank you, Phil. I'm so happy to be here today and talk about uh, performing web animation. To talk about uh, performance, I want to talk about animation. And to talk about animation, I want to start about uh, talking about motion. Right, so what is motion, really? Motion is a change of an object over time, and what would life really be without motion? It would be pretty boring. We wouldn't have smiling faces, or flowing rivers, or falling leaves, or silly walking, or cats typing on keyboards, or the celebration of our lifetimes, or um, the sad moment we realize the CSS isn't working in Safari. <laughs> or falling snow, or that awkward handshake where you just want to melt through the earth. So we have all of this thanks to, yes, happy ending, to motion, right? And as soon as uh, something is moving in a way that we're not expecting it to, we instantly realize that something's wrong. So motion is sort of the way that we make sense of the world, right? And uh, so this is from Google's design guidelines. Um, reading here, uh, just uh, as the shape of an object indicates how it might behave, watching an object move demonstrates whether it's light, heavy, flexible, rigid, small or large. Motion describes spatial relationships, functionality and intention with beauty and fluidity. So even, I think, if you can just read this and nod your head and be like, yes, this makes sense, we have this weird habit of trying to create static mock-ups uh, in Photoshop and Sketch and then we design everything, and then you click something, and then everything flashes to white, and then we switch screen. Right? And when we're left there hanging, trying to make sense of how every single object on this screen relates to the other screen. And motion is a really good way to make sense of how things change. Right? With that said, motion isn't always good. Right? We can always communicate the wrong thing. It's not very easy to always even with motion, get things right. But, but with that said, I think that we'll look at back at this time of static interfaces as a very weird time, an awkward time, where we think it's fine to sort of have static uh, UIs in a very motion-full world. So yes, we can create better experiences with motion, but as soon as we're animating, we need those motions to be performant. Right? So let's talk about performance. We're going to talk about uh, some theory and some practical examples, for example, animating border width and things that can be difficult to actually get performance, and other stuff like box shadow, how to actually uh, make those hardware accelerated. So, got it? Great. Uh, short intro to me while I'm standing here. Uh, so, hi, hello, this is me. This is where you can find me on the internet. I'm from a town called Gothenburg on the west coast of Sweden, around here, where everyone is called Glenn. And uh, this is my favorite book, and this is my favorite album, John Hopkins. I love waffles, but I more than that love Stroop waffles. And <laughs> yes, applause for that. Uh, and yes, I, I, my background is a designer at Spotify, so I was there and, and helped to build the design team, and then moved on uh, to GitHub, and did a lot of CSS refactoring on github.com, and also worked on GitHub pages, and uh, the GitHub clients for Mac and Windows. So it's a beef. 
be, uh, between both design and development. And that's sort of what I'm trying to uh, um, continue doing. And, and this is sort of where I started animating. This is an open source project called Spinkit with tons of uh, snippets you can use in your animation. So that's it. That's me. Let's talk about performance. So um, animating the CSS, just to uh, do a quick primer to get which we're on the same page. You can animate in two ways with CSS, right? You've got transitions and you've got animations or animation blocks. And so we can basically animate anything we want in CSS, right? Most of the things on the right side here, we can change and we can animate that change over time. So we've got things like opacity, we can do border uh, animations, we can animate the background color, lettuce spacing, margin, whatever. Uh, can Google just animatable CSS properties and you'll get to that. And we got two ways of doing those animations, right? We've got transitions. And um, typically, you'd have a transition declared like this. You can say, I want to animate the opacity, 300 milliseconds. Timing is ease out. And then, for example, if you add a class that changes the property of your opacity, you can animate out an element, right? Easy. You're not limited to one of those. You can have two things. So for here, we're doing all changes for our properties, and we're adding a transform, and we're scaling it out. And then if we add that class, we'll add another effect to that. Uh, so then we've got animations as well. So what's the difference between animations and, and transitions? Animations is really a set of keyframes that you can stretch during any period that you want. So if it, a transition is an animation from point A to point B, an animation is a set of keyframes that animates from point A to point B with as many in the middle steps as you want. So this spinner, for example, is made up of three keyframes. Right? So we've got uh, the declaration for the um, animation up here, and then we've got the name here uh, with animation block, and we're uh, defining three keyframes, and then it's just looping through those three. Um, so we got this thing happening, and A looks the same as B, so it just uh, loops infinitely. Uh, great. So performance, right? We're always striving for 60 FPS, right? This is the magic number. But of course, this is sort of a spectrum rather than just a hard number that we're looking for. It's really hard when we're talking about web performance to predict the performance of a certain device or a certain user, right? So we were striving towards this direction and keeping away from this direction, or worse, uh, very jaggery and, and um, a laggy experience, right? So the bad news is that all of these properties, uh, nah, like forget them. You can't animate them, right? So this is sort of the limitation that we're working around, that a lot of things that we want to do, we can't simply do. So the good news is that there's a set of properties that are very versatile that we can use to create sort of anything. And if we just keep ourselves to using them specifically and solely, we'll have generally GPU, hardware accelerated, accelerated animations and they perform they will perform great so uh, the list of things is opacity and transform and transform is very versatile right so we've got rotation scale um, translate and even filter is GPU accelerated and this is generally cross-browser um, compatible adv advice uh, pretty much every uh, every browser works the same so if we keep to these we'll have great performance so let's quickly review what we've got we've got opacity we can fade things in and out. We can rotate things, uh, scale things up and down, and move things around. Right, so uh, with these, uh, we minimize paints and layouts during um, animation. So if we do not keep to these, we do something else, like animate the width of something or height, 
would trigger a paint or a layout, a relayout on every single frame, or one of those at least. Um, so this is the set. And um, so for example, uh, you can't use width, use scale X instead. Don't use height, use scale Y instead, right? So the list goes on. Don't use position absolute and top bottom and, and animate uh, those uh, properties. You should use translate. Uh, and then margin the same, do translate, padding, et cetera, et cetera. You get the point. So um, I think this, this concept is easy to grasp, but difficult to apply. Right? It's a very simple rule, but then you will get requests or you will wish to do something that is like animating the border or animating box shadow. So I think in that sense, it's sort of like Sudoku with a very uh, simple set of rules that you can explain to someone immediately, but you will get stuck with difficult issues. So let's explore some concrete examples of how to actually work around this. So how do we animate the background color if we can't animate the background color? Same goes for border width and box shadow. So let's go through those three. So background color. Um, typically, maybe you'd want to do something like this. You have a background color, and then on a hover state, you change the background color, and you want to animate it, right? creating an effect sort of like that. Um, an easy way to work around that is actually to just um, not set it, that color on hover, but with a pseudo element instead. Right? So this is sort of the box, but from an angle. Right? So uh, we'll create another element. Uh, containing the background color yellow, right? And now we can animate the opacity, which is hardware accelerated, and then we're limiting ourselves to the opacity, but we can fade colors, right? So then we can control, when you're hovering or doing something with a parent element, we can control the pseudo element, and then actually transition between those two colors. So the same sort of principle can be applied to border width, for example. Uh, we got this effect going on here with the border expanding, so we're doing the exact same thing. We're adding a pseudo element to link here, and we're setting it to be the exact same size as its parent. And then we're scaling it down to become the border at the bottom. Right? And then on, when you hover the parent, you can scale it up again, and then you got a GPU accelerated border, and you can animate that in any way you want. Um, so then how do we do box shadow? Right? So this is a popular effect, uh, for example, in the Google um, material guidelines, right? Scaling up an element and also um, sort of animating the box shadow of that element to show that it's popping out. And typically, uh, or what you might would, uh, or get um, a feeling for doing is just animating the box shadow like this. And this is very expensive, right? So you should avoid doing this. And the solution is, again, similar to what we just did before with those other elements. We can have a box shadow on a very small, subtle box shadow on the parent. And then we can create a very big box shadow on the, um, with a pseudo element. And then we just hide that. And then on hover, we scale up the parent and we also fit in the uh, box shadow, creating an effect like this. So the, visual, uh, the visuals is sort of identical. It's very hard to differentiate. But the performance gain is huge, right? So we got, here is paints and layouts, right? And FPS. Um, this is Safari or Chrome, I can't remember. But so here is traditionally, if you would animate box shadow, right? This is just hovering this box as we just saw. And this is what we get if we do it with a suit element. Right? So the, the performance gain is massive. Um, and if you just animate uh, Google animate box shadow, you can get some more details on this technique. Um, so the general principle is that if you're stuck and want to animate something that you can't animate, 
extract those properties to a new object. You don't have to do a pseudo element, it's just very handy, right? You could be a, any div or element, whatever you want, but extract those styles to new element and animate that element instead with those um, few sets of styles that we have, opacity and transform and filter. So, uh, raise of hands, how many have heard of will change? Yes, there's a bunch of you, that's good. So, uh, I'm not gonna go into the intrinsic details of will change, but I'm gonna talk about what will change is not, right? It's not magic. It's not something that you can sprinkle on things to make things suddenly very performant. Just like translate Z just doesn't make the GPU do magic. Um, so, for example, we, we were used to preventing flickering in Safari uh, by using translate Z, right? So this is another conf, uh, sorry, smart web, but up here uh, you can see things scrolling and popping, um, between different rendering modes, right? And this is the layer, uh, the, this is the object moving to a new layer and then back. So going from CPU rendered to GPU rendered. And that's, that change in itself is expensive, right? So um, we used to fix this, for example, or you can trigger this by only um, using uh, or triggering a layer on hover. Uh, for example, here, uh, translate 3D. Uh, and we traditionally could fix this by sprinkling some of this uh, on, on the default state, right? So the, the idea is really that it's, it's not a replacement, but uh, part of it is replacing this, right? So it's uh, informing the browser and giving it hints that maybe you'll need actually a, a separate layer so you can prepare for that. But it doesn't mean that um, with this, if you sprinkle these, you can animate the width and the height and any other thing that you really want to animate, right? It's not a way to get to GPU, it's a way to prepare the browser for a change, right? So it, it usually affects the start and the end of an animation and trying to give the browser a hint of something expensive. So I've got um, uh, a last tip here, which is beautiful animations with delays and also performant animations with delays. So I think this is a bit of an unconventional tip because it's, it's more about like designing around the problem of performance, but that's sort of why I like it. So uh, we have an effect like this, for example, on iOS and probably a lot of um, mobile phones, right? Where all the icons land at different, uh, with different timing, right? So those in the core land first, and then we got those uh, around the edges landing a second later or so. And then um, this creates a very soothing effect, right? This, this, this looks very nice. Uh, Tumblr got something similar here, but translating things on the y-axis instead. And it's just a very nice effect. And this is something that designers like to sprinkle uh, on a lot of things, right? We can easily create this with SAS, for example, right? We can just loop through um, an array of icons or something and produce uh, incremental delays like this for a few objects. Right? Uh, the, the really good thing about this, that it's actually, we're doing the same amount of animation work for the browser, just over a longer period of time, which means that it's less intensive, right? So uh, if we look at these rules, for example, if we're playing an animation here that has a duration of 300 milliseconds, that means that while these three are playing, when the first one finishes, the fourth one starts. So at any given um, point in time, we'll only have three animations playing in total. So it's actually a really clever way of creating a nice effect, but also spreading out 
the amount of work you're doing to create a better performing animation. A word of caution though, um, this is traditionally, um, you should probably prefer to do this with JavaScript if you have timing sensitive things that you're doing. So Safari especially has an issue dealing with, with timing. So if you have a very timing sensitive animation like this, like four blocks here folding, and if one block fold before the other, the folding effect here will be completely um, destructed, right? But uh, this is Safari uh, in many page reloads. It sort of takes your delays as a suggestion. And then it's like, yes, I'll, I'll treat them as I want to. So uh, if, if it's sensitive, prefer to do things with JavaScript. Uh, so um, I think we started a few minutes early, so I actually think I'm on time. So to wrap things up, um, animate only transform one pattern and filter if you want performing web animations. Uh, when you can't do that, animate and want to animate some other property, extract that property to a new object and animate that object instead. Right, and use will change to prepare the browser for an animation, and then you can use incremental delays for groups of objects. Uh, so two articles uh, that I want to share with you. Uh, no, sorry, first two actual inspirational sites. Uh, so either take up your phones and take a picture of this, or you can find the notes later. These are two um, great collections of tons of UI inspiration and animation. And um, they're both uh, really good resources if you're just looking to get inspired and start animating more. Um, then, if you want to read more about performer animation, Paul Lewis has a really good article called Flip, which uh, talks more about how to avoid animating um, top, bottom, and left and right if you want to move objects. And um, Sarah has a really good article on uh, Will Change on the Oprah blog. Uh, so that's it. Uh, I'm done. Thank you. Mr. Bias.